finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. Do your friends tell you you should start your own podcast? Or are you the friend that has a great idea for a show but don't know how to get it started? Now's the time to take it to the next level with Self Made, the podcast edition. Podcast One and Launchpad One are giving you the opportunity to become the next great podcaster. Compete for a year-long contract worth $100,000 with Podcast One, the biggest podcast network in the business. If you have an existing podcast or you're looking to start your own, Self Made is for you. Open submissions are happening now through September 3rd. Go to launchpad1.com slash self-made to learn more. See official rules and sign up for your chance to win. That's launchpadone.com slash self-made. Live by Live has all of your favorite music and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit livexlive.com or search livexlive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Uh, Monday at noon, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show debuts on the Premier Network. It's on like 400 stations. It is filling the spot left vacant by Rush Limbaugh. We were lucky enough to hook up with our friend Buck this week and uh, spend a little time with him. Uh, Buck Sexton on today's Callahan podcast brought to you as always by DCU. And Colin's back. It's good to see you. Let's do this, Colin. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. All right, joining us now is our friend Buck Sexton, former uh, CIA intelligence officer, um, syndicated radio host, and soon-to-be co-host of the uh, Noon to Three show, which is replacing. I know you're not, you know, you don't, you don't actually replace Rush Limbaugh. We know nobody replaces Rush Limbaugh, but you are stepping in to that slot with Clay Travis at noontime on Monday. Buck, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's exciting. Big, big, big job. I know you can handle it because we talked a lot about on our show. We talked a lot about this job, this opening. Obviously, Rush was sick for a long time. Rush passed away. And then it's it was a big big story in the media world and your name came up at least when i talked about it every time there's a few a handful of people including dan bongino and and others and my thought was buck could do you know three hours alone standing on his head i mean you you do it all the time you are one of the best soloists in the uh, business but here you are sharing the stage with clay travis was this a surprise did that come out of left field for you when you got the call did you think well, you know, I could do it. I'm, I'm ready to do it. But then they say, we're pair, pairing you with another guy, a guy named Clay Travis. What's your first thought? I I was just excited, honestly. I mean, I, I was, I mean, I, as you already brought up, and, you know, Dan, Dan Bongino is a friend. He's a great guy. He does a great show. And there are some others who are, are going into the the noon radio space as well. And and uh, some of them, I don't, honestly, I don't really know at all. And a couple of them are, are friends of mine. Um and, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it, leave it at that. But, you know, Dan, Dan's a good man. And uh, I just I was so excited at the opportunity to step in. I mean, I like to say following 
in Russia's footsteps in some way, or, you know, we, we avoid the R word, like there's no replacing. Right. And and I understood why they thought that this would be, you know, if if you're going to try to create enough value for the listener um, that they, they feel like they're getting something of that's different, but of, of reasonably similar uh, value for their time, bringing in somebody with a sports background, as well as an entrepreneurial and you know legal background. That's what that's what sort of Clay brings to the picture from a professional standpoint. And then I've got not only you know political radio for now ten years, but also uh, national security background. Um, it felt like we cover a lot of ground. We're kind of combining two audiences, and you know we we just feel like that was the uh, the best move to get the stations the most excited about it, mm-hmm. and and just you know I I get iHeart's vision on this. Uh, I understand why they went with it, and I was just excited to be a part of it. See, I, I, I like it. I think it'll work. I was a part of uh, two-man radio for 22 years. Oh, how was and, that? Tell me about this. I've never and, done this before. So. Well, well, I, I'll give you the cynical, uh, the skeptical question here. Is, uh, it seems to me, or the, the, I'll give you the doubts I, I have, and I've heard them from other people, is that you're both alpha dogs. You know, you're both lead dogs. You're both the lead guys, the number one chair guys. When you talk about two-man radio, there's always a number one chair and a number two chair. Number one guy is coming in and out of commercials and maybe reading more spots. Number two guy has more, I don't know, more personality and more, you know, maybe more of a fighter. And he'll start the fights. That was my job. Um, you guys are both alpha dogs. What don't you think there is a natural conflict there where you, you, you're both looking at each other wondering, you know, who's the lead here? Who's singing the lead? I think we'll figure it out. You've I'm done practice opposite. shows. I read that in the in the trades. You've done practice shows. Yeah. How did those go? Went great. I mean, uh, we we really uh, we really uh, vibe together very well. And we we you know if if this is if this is you know Stockton and and Malone or this is you know Pippin and Jordan and I'm just trying to I don't know a lot about sports, but trying to think of like great duos from uh from Brady and Gronk. Team. How about that Brady and Gronk? Brady and Gronk. Uh, you know, if this is like if it, then I think it works for the audience and it works for us too, and, and that's what we're really going to go for. You know, I do a show. Uh, I've done a lot of counterpoint shows uh, with two person shows, and have gotten used to that that rhythm. And and that's there, there's a there's a a delicate touch that's required in that too, right? To disagree with someone but never have them feel like you're attacking them, you're going after them, undermining them. I did I did a show with Crystal Ball who is a leftist. I mean, she, she wouldn't even say she's a Democrat. She's a le- I mean, she is a Democrat, but I mean, she's a leftist, right? She's on the left side of the Democrat Party. Um, and I do a show now even with Mark Lamont Hill. He's as left as left as you can get. <laughs> and I got to tell you, a really uh, affable and entertaining guy. So we really? have a yeah, yeah, really. And so we have a you know, we have a good show there. Yeah, on the on the same doing it on the same side, it's where it's going to require a bit of yes. I mean, I, I did before this. I was doing up to five hours of solo radio a day, so oh. I, I do not need uh, in terms of content. And, and no one would think this. I don't need a co-host. Uh, it it wasn't something that that I came up with as an idea, but when it was uh, presented to me, I I saw the merit of it, and I think Clay does too. And we're just excited to to pull together a project that's going to really work well for the audience and look you know i also do tv man i mean you know how this is it's a different world now you can't create some unsinkable battleship platform that i don't care who you are 
that that's all you do. You don't have to do social. You don't have to do video if you're an audio guy. You don't have to do audio if you're video. I mean, you know, everyone is on a podcast now. Everyone wants to do a streaming channel. There's all these different things. And ultimately, you're just really trying to build your audience. And there is a competitive nature to it. So you, you have to be multi-platform. I think that's that's what I'm saying. And and having somebody else who carries, uh, I think, in, in really expert fashion, a, a portion of the load um, every day on radio may allow me to have a little bit more energy and focus to do. I mean, I'm also doing an hour podcast every day, just me, wow. in addition to this show. And there'll be a podcast of the of the duo show. And I mean, look, Clay is a radio pro. The guy's got a lot of skills I and mean, he's very smooth. He's very uh, has a really good broad range of issues he can talk about. And, you know, so, so far, I mean, look, so far, I think it's going to be the best show on radio. I'll just be honest with you. That, that's well, what I really see, the good thing. The good thing in two man radio is you're not going to rely on callers. I mean, you could take callers, but you don't rely on them and you don't rely on guests. And people at this point are kind of. I don't say tired of guests, but it's become formulaic where there's just like a host with a guest, boom, boom, boom. And if you have two man radio and you disagree, the tension leads to energy and you know, a good tension means good energy. And that's good radio. I had a partner, you know, uh, uh, Kirk Minahan the last few years where we were really good friends off the air. We'd have wild fights on the air, but no fights off the air because we knew that worked on the rate on, on air. And when, you know what, what eases tensions is ratings, <laughs> you know, good ratings, you start making money. It's a success. You say, Hey, this is, you know, this is the job to have some disagreements, butt heads, have some laughs. And once, you know, you're off air, you can be friends. If, if you understand that, and, and someone told me this one time, understand it's only a movie, you know, it's, it's only a movie. If you have a good debate and you know, this from Mark Lamont Hill or Crystal, if you have a good debate, you understand you're not really, you know, taking it personal. You're not really enemies. It's just, that's part of the show, man. Yeah. Well, this is how I, I approach when I do my radio show. It's also whenever I write something, I, I, I try to go back there. There are two thoughts. And I tell people who try to do anything in this business, two things that are my, and they're, they're very basic. My guiding principles. Can anyone, you know, number one, can anyone tear this apart is what I'm saying dumb, wrong, flimsy, whatever. No, that's number one. And, and I look at things or listen to things that I do, you know, read things or, or, or uh, watch or, or listen to it back. And I think, can someone, can someone make the argument that I'm a jackass for this, or that this is, you know, this is dumb. And I know that they're right. That's right. what I like. You know, I got to go back and do that. And then the other thing is, is this boring? Are people getting into this listening or, or watching and thinking to themselves, meh. I mean, your point about radio, I think a lot of talk radio now, and I'm not going to name any names. Um, a lot of talk radio is lazy. I think a lot of talk radio is, all right, let's have the same guests we've had, you know, 50 times and going to basically repeat what I've already said to you in a monologue that more or less sounds like I'm reading it because I probably am because I you know, have somebody here in the, in the studio who's like writing out some talking points for me. And then we'll take some calls and some of them will be OK and some of them will be boring and crap. And then, you know, we'll sell you some stuff and we'll just keep, you know, wash, rinse, repeat every day. I think there's a lot of that out there. And I think one of the reasons why Rush's audience was so fiercely loyal to him was that he always wanted to make it interesting for them. You know, and, he, and he, there are a lot of things, not not a lot of guests, very few guests. True. Not a lot right. of callers, very few callers. 
original thought, connection. These are things that people remember. As you, as you well, I mean, look, I know you're a radio pro. I'm just talking about this for the audience's uh, benefit, but these are the things we think about. Well, someone gave me advice, simple advice one time. It says, it, 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 the job's very simple. Don't be boring. You know, don't be yeah. boring. And uh, now, you know what's made it worse, Buck, and I've seen this, believe me, in person, is it used to be the guys, the lazy talk show guys, had the callers and the guests, and they had the TV on. And, the, you know, in sports grade, they'd be watching a game or be watching the news. Now they're just looking at Twitter. They're looking at Twitter and doing a show with half their brain. And it's just I, and to me, it's it's obvious sometimes you can hear them, you know, <laughs> looking at the Twitter machine while they're supposed to be doing a talk show. The, the two things can, that that, you know, there, I, I, I guess you could argue, Jerry, there are three things that are being devalued very rapidly. One is the American dollar. Right. <laughs> so one is the one is the American dollar. Uh, and, and another one would be insights on news and because they're 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 everywhere and they're everyone's always sharing all their stuff so you can pull it i mean you can go on and this is i know people who make a real habit of this you just go if you've got a good list of, of people you follow on twitter uh you can not even read the main news news stories of the day and just know what your kind of your big takeaways are and then just blab you know blabber on and then the third one is predictions so the u.s dollar analysis and predictions these are three things that are just everywhere and are being debased because of their abundance. There's, there's so much of it that it's hard to value any of it. And I'll tell you how you can stand out too, is because in, in, in this business and uh, in, in podcasts, especially everyone's preaching to the choir. There aren't a lot of liberals or even moderates who tune into, you know, Ben Shapiro or, uh, or Dan Bongino or Buck Sexton, but on radio, you do get more of that. People who hate listen say, you know, I hate Rush, but I'll listen or I, I don't like Buck or, or Clay, but I'm going to listen, hear what they have to say. So you get I think that's why you get a broader audience and you get a little more a little more conflict. You might have a caller call up and tell you you suck where well, you don't hear that on podcasts at all. It's all, you know, it, you know everyone's gone to their, their respective, you know, safe safety trees right. or, you know, safe zones or whatever. And, and I think it's really bad. I mean, I will say. People ask me why I would have ever gone to work at CNN as a as a right wing political analyst. I mean, it was I've always been conservative. Everyone's always known that uh, people knew that even when I was in the CIA and wasn't even a public person. They're like, he's that crazy right wing guy in the CIA. Really? That, that was, oh, yeah, that was it. Was, well, I asked you that. Knew me? Yeah, I think when that we had you last time when I had you on this podcast last time, we talked about Bill Maher. And I, I always wonder why do the concern? Why do they go on there? You know, when I see someone like you, and you know, the audience all hates you, yeah, they boo you and everything else. But you I, really I, have to relish that role. And, and it's, a, it's a little bit like you know, in some cultures, they have a they have a thing like a like a test of either a test of strength or a test of endurance. They'll run across the hot coals or you know, right. there are these things where you you prove what you can take. Right. And I, I never wanted him to think I will on things that I'm passionate about. I will debate with anybody. I mean, I, I think that I know enough about what matters to me that I, I can go toe to toe with anyone. I'm not going to say that I'll win every out. You know, if you're winning every debate encounter you do, you're either not debating smart enough people. You're not debating <laughs> enough because you're you know, inevitably, especially with disparities in how much airtime you get and the duration. Right. I mean, people will say, oh, why didn't you slam that guy? I'm like, why did not I slam him? We did a three minute TV hit. I got to speak for 30 seconds. If you want me to just start saying that, you know, he's he's dumb and ugly and his and his mother doesn't love him. Like, what, what am I? You know, what are you supposed to do at some point? You're trying to make a point. You're trying to, again, bring value to the audience. I worry and I know I'm getting on a little tangent. I worry that increasingly what's happened 
in conservative and in liberal media for sure, but in conservative media is that the value we bring is that our audience is always comfortable. Right. And we don't debate and we don't say things they don't want to hear that we believe to be true. Like I'm not saying things to be provocative that I think are untrue, but you know, I'll just give you an example, uh, Jerry. I, I was always a very clear vocal critic of Trump having his children, one of whom was actually a, a friend of mine growing up. I mean, I, I knew her not super well, but we were social, uh, social acquaintances. Um, I was a big critic of it. I said, you can't have your kids as the top White House advisors because it, it first of all, looks bad. And also it uh, it, it means you're not going to be objective. Right. right. I mean, it's like when a, whenever a parent, you know, I mean, you've all seen that. Do you have kids, Jerry? Yes, I do. Oh, so you actually know about kids. But I've seen this before. You know, a kid will run up to another kid in the playground and, you know, whack the kid over the head with a with a pail. And the parent is, you know, why? Why did you let your child hit my child's pail with his head? You know, people don't see things objectively. Right. Right. That's true. Um, Trump didn't see things in the White House sometimes objectively. And anybody who's telling you they'll all speak to you about this off the record or they'll speak to you about it without attribution. But they all know that it was true. And I'm just telling you, the conservative audience got mad at me for it. And I kept telling them, and there's my own audience, my own people, the people that see me on the street and hug me and are like, thank you for your work. Some of them, not all of them, were, why don't you understand Trump? You know, they, they did a lot of rationalization oh, of this. And I was like, guys, I'm not, I'm not a never Trumper. I'm not one of these, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're on a podcast, right? I could say whatever I want. I was about to start. Yeah, Trump was full work. Salty, <laughs> I feel like salty language is acceptable in the Jerry Callahan podcast. It is. Um, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. You, you could insert, you could insert some of the words for me, but I'm not one of those like Lincoln project, never Trumper lunatics. <laughs> I'm the guy I'm trying to be, you know, maybe even like the assistant coach or, you know, the, the special teams coach who's getting the team fired up at halftime. Cause I want them to win the game. That's how I tried to approach some aspects of the Trump presidency. And I got a lot of heat from our team for it, Jerry. And it was disappointing. I'm like, do you guys want the truth? By the way, I was right. I went through the same thing. Or I, I still do. When I said I didn't like Trump's tweets, they were stupid. They were juvenile and they didn't help. And I had a couple friends, hardcore Trumpers, listeners. And, it, you know, you got to stop attacking Trump. And I go, attacking Trump? I just don't like, you know, we, when he tweets something about whatever, about, you know, Joy Behar with a bunch of exclamation points and misspellings. That doesn't help. And, and I think, I'm like you, I think I've been proven right. The, the dumb tweets, the mean tweets didn't help the cause. But uh, I will, one last uh, uh, thought on your uh, new uh, partner and you, the relationship, the dynamic is if you get, you know, you really get down and dirty, just point out that he voted for obama twice just bring that up you know like twice a day that you know uh, that's a good clay, clay is my brother in the foxhole man whatever whatever rounds are said his way i'm gonna throw my body in the way that's how that's how this is gonna go i don't know obama twice i'm not sure uh, I, i'll ever be able to get my mind around that uh and, and he's any he, i guess he admits it right he's not denying it if, I, if that were me i'd deny it i'd deny it every day i'd say i was I'd be like Hunter Biden. It's all a haze. I mean, I, I was on so many drugs. I don't remember what happened. We'll get to Hunter. I got a couple of uh, questions about that. But you are an intelligence guy, an intelligence community guy, an expert CIA guy. And I think this is one of your, you know, one of the, the ways these door reasons these doors open for oh, you. Yeah. I used to be really squared away. I mean, I honestly, I knew a lot more than all the former defense and CIA right. analysts. There are a lot more now who are actually legit. Like there are some guys who go on Fox. I'm like, that guy's the real deal. When I got into this 10 years ago, I had just come out of the CIA and they had all these guys who were, you know, retired Air Force lieutenant colonels who left in 1992 
talking about, you know, Al Qaeda in northern Iraq or something. And I'm like, oh, I just got back from working CTC CIA counterterrorism center. I don't think your lieutenant colonel from the Air Force who hasn't been in any kind of government service in 20 years. CNN knows what the hell he's talking. So there was a, but, now, but to be to be clear, now there's like former directors, and you know everyone's gotten in the game. I was early though, but uh, I, I guess now we're all pretty much convinced that the FBI has been corrupted. The, the CIA, you know, the deep state is real, and our our mutual friend John Cardillo calls the FBI a domestic terrorist organization. I don't think I'm ready to go that far. I don't know about you, but in the last week, we heard Biden and Merrick Garland both say that the FBI says white supremacy is the biggest threat to the homeland, which is obviously silly. Obviously, it's a lie. It's nonsense. My question, simple one, is Biden and Merrick Garland, are they the ones lying here, or are they, or are they actually being told by the FBI that white supremacy is the biggest threat? Which, which is it? Who's lying? They're being told. They're being told it's real. real? It's, it's wow. real. Yeah, they're being told this. I mean, this is I know I still have friends who are on the inside. And look, there's a lot of the diversity and inclusion of, you know, left wing woke stuff that has infiltrated the intelligence community that has infiltrated the FBI specifically. Um, that's real. Wow. And you have you have to remember that to go to work for the federal government, especially as a, as a career uh, you're going to get a lot of people who believe in government power and want it to be bigger than it is, broader than it is. Also, they want the government to provide their their paycheck and their health care and everything else. And look, I know there are great folks and, and people yell at me, well, what about our military? Look, there are great people who serve. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, in, in the intelligence community and, and in the uh, FBI as well. But if you're asking, are there bureaucrats who rise to the top of these institutions who are people of the ideological left? I mean, not only am I telling you the answer is yes, even more so than the public realizes, we've got plenty of proof of it. I mean, John Brennan is basically a commie. I mean, that guy's out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you look, might, you look like Mike Morell, a guy that I actually worked for at one point in the agency. These, these guys are libs. They're, they're leftists, and they're running these places. So to say that there are... I mean, I actually use the term cabal in the Trump White House about the FBI uh, deep state stuff. And someone in the Trump White House, very senior in it, was like, we like that term. And I started hearing it a lot afterwards. But that's really the way to consider it. Y you only need a handful of really devoted leftist authoritarians inside the federal apparatus, a federal bureaucracy. And you find yourself in a place where they're influencing top down major decisions about some of these political cases. So you but, can still have a lot of folks at the lower levels who are, you know, a lot of guys and gals show up to the FBI because, yeah, they want to stop like child molesters and cartel guys and kidnappers and God bless them. But they're doing that in the field office in Omaha or in San Diego or whatever. The people that are running the show in D.C., right. a lot of them are leftists. And I mean, I, careerists, not the appointees. I, I know you saw this. I'm sure you talked about it. Uh, uh, Tucker, but Tucker. Carlson's segment. Yeah, people, other, people call me Tucker all the time. It happens. <laughs> Tucker Carlson's segment the other night where he said, not only did the FBI infiltrate the mob on January 6th, they organized it. And I'm watching it live going, holy crap, this is a bombshell. Here's my take, Buck. In a year, two years, five years, we're going to look at January 6th a lot different than we did on January 7th or January 10th or even today. We're going to learn a lot more. It's hard to learn because obviously the 
The mainstream media is covering it up. The Democrats are using it. There's you know two or three reporters who even report on it, like Julie Kelly. Um, but do you believe the FBI actually organized this mob? And if they did, are we ever going to officially learn, you know, how that all went down? I think that I, I think it's a little far from what the evidence tell what the evidence that I've seen. Uh, would say right now, so the FBI organized it. I, I don't get so many people. It's tough to keep something like that under wraps this right. long. Were there were there agents, uh, you know, agents provo- uh, provocateur or there, were there people who were um, there and and trying to throw fuel on a fire that would have existed independently of them, but, you know, made it worse, knew that this was an opportunity, knew that they... I think that's very likely. In fact, I've seen some some people present evidence that that happened. Were there FBI informants among the thousand or so people that, you know, engaged in what is essentially for I mean, Look, most of them engaged in riot and trespass. Some engaged in assault of law enforcement officers and destruction of property. No one. None of the protesters murdered anybody. We all know that. And the people uh, in the media and in the Democrat Party keep lying about that. Do I think that there were probably uh, agents, FBI, uh, FBI informants, not agents, FBI informants? informants right. who, yeah, who were, you know, pushing encouraging. This I, I can tell you, yeah, yeah, that and that. Come I, on, guys. That I, I mean, that doesn't even surprise. Like I would assume that that was happening. Uh, so that your, surprise me at all. your advice but to someone who organized it that I think is further than what the you know that the FBI was a prime mover behind this. I don't see that yet. I'm, well, not, I'm a, not saying it can't be, but I don't see the evidence for it. I have a feeling it's going to be a, a major theme of your show going forward. It's just how involved they were and just how much we don't know about that. But January 6th, hell, they haven't and no one's gone to trial. <laughs> Half these guys are still in solitary. We're not we're not getting the whole story. And when we do, I'm wondering it's is just how big it's going to be and how crazy it's going to be. I can tell you that this has been. A tool, a, a, the same way that Russia collusion was a big lie that was right. used to, unfortunately, in many ways, successfully slow down, hamper, uh, harass and delay the Trump administration from its goals. I mean, that White House was under siege by that special counsel. So while they didn't get Trump out of office, they were and people again, I tell them the truth. That was all success, folks. I mean, the, the whole Russia collusion lie. Who, who got sent to prison for that? Nobody. Buck, what happened? They, they took Trump. the house. They took the house in 2018. I'm not sure they would have done that without the Russian collusion. You know, so so I, I, I'm here to tell everybody that, you know, look, they they feel like that was a, a victory, maybe not as far as they wanted, but it was still a victory. The left, no the anti Trump left. And, and now with this January 6th situation, this is the 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 emotional and psychological justification for treating Republicans as evil and worthy of scorn across the board. We are all supposed that the narrative here is meant to be that anybody who supported Trump and 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 of course still supports Trump or Trumpism to this day is tainted by the January 6th insurrection, which they call it. And this is preposterous on its face because, I mean, if you're going to have an insurrection in in today's world uh, with people who are unarmed, um, it's not going to last very long. It's the worst a, a non a non lethal insurrection in the Capitol when you have Metro Police, Capitol Hill Police, the FBI. I mean, we could sit here for thirty minutes going through all the armed government agents who can and, and in many cases did show up there to clear things out. 
So it's absurd, but they're going to use it because uh, you and I, Jerry, we are we are bad people in the eyes of libs because we're you know, this, they'll they'll use the term insurrectionist now as a general pejorative, which is why I love calling them commies, because I'm like, fine, if we're going to do this, if we're just going to let it rip. Let's let it rip. You guys are a right. bunch of commies. It's uh, you know, <laughs> the first unarmed armed unarmed armed, armed insurrection in history. And uh, you're right. I mean, think of everything work. The two two. Uh, 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 impeachments, they worked. You know, the Kavanaugh, that worked. I mean, it just inflicted enough damage so that they could advance their agenda. But a couple more things before uh, I know you got to go. You got to prep for Monday. Um, the trip for Biden that just, com- just completed, it was by, uh, a disaster by all accounts. And one thing it did for me, and we talked about things we have said and done that piss off the MAGA crowd. I'm watching that and saying, we can't have another 78 year old president. I don't want Donald J. Trump in 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 four years i don't i don't want another 78 80 82 year old president it's, it's, old. Too, old. it's too old i, I, it's, I, it's I i'm I, I don't care that the left has no principles jerry I, I still think that they're important and when you establish something a baseline of some of a, of a straightforward uh rule guideline truth whatever you want to call it like we really shouldn't have an 80 year old plus president period shouldn't happen there's a country of 330 million people there's a lot of folks out there who can do this exactly. job um, I'm not going to I'm not going to change on that because, oh, well, Trump, there are other people in the Republican Party who are already showing that they're very capable of governing. Well, not not just and looks, I, I see, Jerry, you and I just I thought some of the tweets were hilarious. I think there were too many. I think you should have reined some of them in. But I did like some of the tweets. So you and I could we can come back and, and, uh, and battle that out another time. But on this point, yeah, it, it's just reality, man. The 78 is too old to be president. Whether it's a Republican, I don't care. Or And by the way, he'd be 80 while he was in office. Joe Biden's too old to be president. Democrats have no principles, so they're not embarrassed by this. It's just a power play for them. And they figure, well, this is great because now we have some guy who'll just do whatever the machinery of the Democrat Party wants. But he's too old. And we and, all and, see it. I mean, you can't deliver mail. You can't teach kids. You can't drive a truck. But you can be president. It's just madness. What date? Give me the date that Kamala Harris ascends to the throne. When do you think it happens? Oh, I've been. T- see, but see, now we're falling into. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Too much speculation out there. But no, this this is informed speculation, Jerry. Um, I I think that uh, I don't think Joe Biden runs for a second term. I think he takes it through the midterms, and then I think he just says, you know, I've gotten tired, and um, for health reasons, I'm going to step down. Kamala takes over, then she gets to run. As an incumbent, <laughs> way better, way better, man. You're going to have a blast. What? Uh, and so am I. Just Kamala Harris as commander in chief, this woman who can't handle, you know, a simple question from, you know, one of her supporters, Lester Holt, about the border. And she can't handle that. A woman who wasn't popular enough to make it to the primaries, to, to, to even participate in the first primary. She was that unpopular. She was trailing Liz Warren among black voters in the polls. You don't get less popular Maybe. than that. And she's going to be president. But uh, right, before I let you go, I got to show you. You asked me if I have kids and I'm looking around. See, see this right here. This is uh, drawn by my son when he was a little kid. That's me and him and, a, and Jack in a kayak when he was a little kid. I'm selling this for 500000 An art dealer nice. is uh, putting that up for sale in California. I mean, in New York. What do you think? Good enough for Hunter better Biden. better than anything. Hey, way better than whatever Hunter did. <laughs> That's better than Hunter Biden's things. I couldn't believe when I heard, and you know this, but you see the video. He blows this thing through a straw. That You can't make that up. I mean, that's just so unbelievable. He blows paint around. Hunter's, 
blown a lot of things through a straw. <laughs> <laughs> does he? Does he know not, that we're not? not uh, you know, in, into his nostrils, I believe. But yes, no, no you more. are in New York. Why don't you go by that that gallery and check it out? And make a bid. I, you know? Maybe I'll. Hey, when's uh, we got Father's Day coming up, Jerry? Maybe I'll send you something nice. You behave That's yourself. A good stunt. Uh, Buck, Buck Sexton <laughs> bids on uh, Hunter Biden's. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. I don't to have the bankroll for it, man. I haven't started the big show yet. You have to yeah. lend me some money. Are you, you're not one of these people who says, like I hear uh, people like Matt Walsh and others say, you know, don't get distracted by Hunter Biden. It's not important. I'm like, what? I mean, literally, we have, as you know, Tony Bobolinsky talking about kicking back to the big guy and you don't want to to talk about it. That's crazy. And and you, you're going to be consistent because you said Ivanka and, and Kushner should not be in the in the White House. I mean, I assume you are going to talk plenty about hunter because as you know there's a lot more on that laptop that we haven't seen or heard yet my friends are the ones who found the laptop let me tell you i was getting uh, early previews and those are things you can't unsee are you with hannity on this because i've heard him and others including miranda divine say there's a lot more and it gets worse are you yeah but it doesn't it's not it doesn't get worse in a way that it blows back on on pops and creates a problem for him it's i mean and look by the way i'm not an expert on the hard drive i don't have it i mean i know i have friends who have the hard drive wow. um uh but I, I don't have it um or they have a mirror of it i should say uh but no I, I haven't seen anything remember it has to be has to be political corruption it has to be big enough that it goes if it's just him being more of a screw up yeah we'll talk about it but it doesn't it doesn't uh move the needle but, against the big, against the big it does move the needle against the media as clay has yeah, well, you know, tweeted it's amazing the new york times has a 15 year old girl on page one because she said the same word as hunter and they don't get a mention he doesn't get a mention in the new york times so it's always good to point out how corrupt the media is wouldn't you agree i agree would you would you do me a favor because you have a very uh, esteemed and and astute audience tell them that uh Tell them that if they're if they had been rushed listeners, they got to give us a shot. Twelve to three, okay? Excellent. Twelve to three. My, what the show's called? Do I have this right? The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. I it think that called. reflects that reflects well on you, Buck, because I was always the second name. You know why? Because I don't have such a big ego that I demanded to be the first name. Now we know you didn't do that, so I give you credit. He's humble, but he's uh, focused on my content, folks. I make it worth everybody's time. Good luck Monday and going forward, Buck. We will be listening. Thank you, my friend. And, uh, and we'll talk to you down the road. Good to see you, my man. Take care. You too, Buck. That is Buck Sexton from the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. It starts Monday at noon on like 9,000 stations. Um, it was funny because originally Dan Bongino was uh, named uh, on from one uh, uh, network as being Russia's replacement. But I think he's only on like 120 stations. Buck and Clay are on... 400 stations on these premier stations, which are stations that carried Rush. So I think they're actually the real Rush replacement. I like Mangino and he'll do well and it'll be an interesting uh, competition. And Dana Lash is on some intercom stations. And our friend Tom Shattuck is on one intercom station from 10 to 2. So he'll be going against Clay and Buck, Buck and Clay from uh, for a couple hours every day. But I think Buck and Clay are going to get most of the attention. And we've talked about this, uh, you know, Cullinan and I and Shattuck and Turtle Boy for you know months. And it is a strange pairing because, again, they're both alpha dogs. They're both conservatives. Will they fight? I'm not sure if they'll really battle, but I know it'll work because 
the one man thing, if it was just Buck, I'd say good luck to him. I like him or just Clay. I'd say good luck to him. Bongino, good luck. But I think you know what you get with one guy. That's the problem. You know what you get with one guy. And if it's just one guy taking calls, having a guest, you know, having, you know, next coming up next, we have some, you know, former FBI guy to talk about this. You might listen, you might enjoy it, but you never get surprised. You know, they never take you by surprise. There's never a twist, strange, you know, un, there's never a, a, a suspenseful moment where you go, wow, I didn't know I was going to go there. When you have two guys and one guy thinks one thing and another guy, and they battle it out, then the callers call and support one or the other, and they battle it out. You have this natural tension that increases the energy level, as we talked about. So I like the fact that they're taking a chance. It's a little bit of a gamble to have these two guys. If you pick one guy, it's just safe and it's same old thing. So we'll see how they do. But uh, they're both they're both smart. They work hard. Obviously, Buck is a crazy uh, hard worker, and they're 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 curious. You know, you got to be curious. You got to work hard, and you got to be smart. And uh, so I think it works. I think it works. And uh, I'm not sure what station it's on in, uh, you know, your market, but you'll find it and it'll be online and it'll be, and it'll uh, you know, be on uh, social media. So they'll be big. They'll be big. But uh, that is Buck Sexton. And uh, he's the, I think of him as the one chair guy, because he's a definite one chair guy, but I guess Travis is a one chair guy also. And maybe they'll share it, they'll split it and it'll just naturally take its course. Naturally we will, um, we will see how that goes, but uh, check them out Monday at noon, and uh, well, you can check us out Monday, hopefully by 10 a.m. <sighs> hopefully by 10 a.m. We got a little uh, transition period with uh, producers, as everybody knows, and uh, Colin Ann came came back today from New York, and you know, helped me out, but I'm not sure how much longer he's uh, going to be available before he goes, you know, to the dark side. But uh, Colin Ann. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for saving us. Glad you had a good time in New York. We'll have to hear more about it uh, next week. I can't, uh, I can't divulge anything that happened in New York. Actually, what are you going to wait and talk about it on your new show? No, I just, you know, it's stuff that I should just keep close to me. You know, I I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need to. I saw you on Twitter. You you said uh, you were, uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell whether you had too many Pink Whitney's or not. Were you sober? Uh, I was, um, at probably at the time you saw that I was sober, but the, the night got away from me. Let's just say that the night got you away. Don't, you don't stay up very late. I'm surprised you were, uh, yeah, it was like midnight, wasn't it? Yeah. And I got your new producers chirping me at uh, three o'clock in the morning, freaking out. I mean, I'm just yeah, trying to get well, to bed. I'm just trying to be I a company, man. I appreciate you helping him out. God knows, uh, he needed it and uh, we needed it, but, uh, you know, you got the job done. And now, don't you have time off before you start with Kirk? Uh, yeah. Well, I start with Barstool next week to get everything in order, and then Kirk's back on the 28th. That's a lot of time. That's a huge break for you. I mean, you're not diving right back in. You have plenty of time to help Plenty of time to get stuff. Plenty of time. <laughs> I'm there for you, Jerry. You knew that. You know, I haven't deleted All your right. phone number yet, so don't worry about it. Right, well, you got you got Buck Sexton's phone number, too, and he's like... Uh, He's going to be, he's already kind of a big deal, but he's going to be real big in a few months if this thing takes off and people, you know, and they, and you know what? They're smart enough. They're going to make news. They're going to, you know, have guys on, they're going to make news and create buzz. And I think it's going to work, but uh, we'll see. I'm a little disappointed. I didn't know he was looking for, you know, a washed up old sports radio morning guy. If I did, I would have put my application in, but uh he chose uh, Clay Travis, and he goes for he's going for that Southern audience. You know, he goes after that that SEC crowd. But uh, all right, 
Thanks for uh, coming back. You you look, do look a little hang, hungover, I have to say. It's, uh, it was a, it was a long train ride home. It was a long like, train. It's like happy hungover. You're happy, right? You had a good time. Oh, yeah. great time! I mean, anytime there's free booze, you got. And they the and they welcomed you into the barstool family. Did you go to some expensive steakhouse? I went to an expensive place. I was sitting next to the guy from Roman Swipes, so I was talking about my sexual health, which is always oh. a, a joyous occasion. So you, I mean, it's too late to sell sell this podcast, but they, you know. Barstool doesn't need you to sell their part. They have a plenty of people. Did you sell me to anybody? Yeah, I put I put a good word in. Don't Excellent. you worry about that. Yes. I, I can't it. wait to hear you do Roman Swipes ads. That's, uh, <laughs> that's going to be fantastic. And and were you actually ordering Pink Whitney's? Do you actually uh, no. What was I having last night? There was like a special. Mar- I don't drink margaritas, but they uh, had it and I grabbed it. And um, Let's yeah, go got down it. easy, man. Let's go down. It, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. Well, again, I'm glad you had a good trip, and I'm glad you came back to help me out here today. And I'm glad uh, Buck Sexton joined us. Joined us. Thanks to uh, DCU and Shake Concrete and Allied Paving. Thanks to everybody for listening. This is a special weekend edition of the Callahan Podcast. Check out Buck and Clay Monday at noon. Check us out first. But uh, this is the Callahan Podcast. I'm Jerry Callahan, and we will talk to you again Monday morning. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. Can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot HTM. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.